You're listening to Randall Parker's Film Club with me, Randall Parker. Well, welcome to the first Film Club of 2022. Yes, I do know it's February, but that Covid malarkey sort of fucked me over, didn't it? Uh, Let's hope that 2022 turns out to be a bit better than 2021. Which, let's face it, started off wank, sort of levelled off, then dipped towards the end. Bit like most years. So, on today's podcast, we'll be doing all of the normal stuff. Uh, Review two films, one off the list of greatest films of all time, and one requested by a listener. We'll have some emails, a film fact, and some of the other little bits and bobs. But firstly... I'd like to apologise for all the confusion a couple of weeks ago with the old Covid thingy, which was a complete waste of both your time and my time. Yeah, right fuck up that was, wasn't it? It took me at least four trips to the chippy to catch up on all the gossip from Tommy Slippers. Uh, Not sure how much of that gossip is true, because I'm pretty sure there would have been more fuss in the local press if Bob Hoskins had come back from the dead and was now selling fabric on the local market. Old Joe has managed to stop laughing, and at the moment he's round here more often than he is round at his place. He says he can't actually afford to have the eating on round at his place, what with the pittance that the fucking government give him. He just lets himself in any time he wants, which usually ain't much of a problem, but it was a bit of a shock last Tuesday when he popped in the bathroom for a shit, and he was in there having a bath. Now I wouldn't have minded so much, but the old twat used all of me matey bubble bath I got for Christmas. Big Fat Judith, the home help, still refusing to come anywhere near the bungalow, just in case I'm still contagious. I've told her loads of times and I never had it in the first place, but it's not sinking in. I just think she likes the fact that she can knock off early because you don't have to run the dice round here. I am still a little bit miffed at missing out on wedding of the year. Well, not so much actually missing out on the actual ceremony, more missing out on the wedding buffet. I heard there was a whole plate of chicken nuggets with four different dips. None of that was left by the time I got there. Even the pork fucking pies had gone and they always hang around, don't they? Uh, At the start, it did piss me off slightly, having it all done behind me back. If I was more of a suspicious person, I might have thought it was done on purpose. But then I thought to myself, why would they want to do that, really? Mr White did explain to me that it was very rushed and he thought it was of the best not to tell me as he would have upset me not being able to attend and I can see that now. Uh, they seem very happy, settled into their marital home. No honeymoon yet, Mr White is waiting for the health and safety hearing before booking anything. The day for that, by the way, is the 21st of February and I'm quite looking forward to it. I do like a works outing. It'll be great to catch up with the gang, Large Lionel, the Horse Whisperer, Janice from Accounts... Although I'm not really sure why Large Lionel's going along. He couldn't fucking stand Robot Robert ever since that to do with the White and Bailey pub quiz team. Yeah, nasty business that was. Large Lionel does take it a bit too seriously. It's only supposed to be a bit of fun. Right, I was in the team once, right, and he threatened to kick the shit out of me. That time I said Joey Deacon was a bass player with the band Queen. I did actually try to grab a chat with Janice from Accounts last week when I saw her on the high street. I shouted, but she mustn't have heard me. Anyways, looked like she was in a rush because she was sprinting along over the cobbles in her high heels. Never seen that done before. She want to watch herself there, really. She could take a tumble if she's not too careful. But back to the happy couple. They are all rounded Mr Watts. Well, I suppose it's mum and Mr Watts now, isn't it? Uh, playing happy families. And they've given Slow Francis more bedroom. Well, the one I used to use when I used to stay there. But Mr White has told me not to worry too much, because if I ever need to go round and stop, he'll put the airbed in the garage, and I'll be more than welcome to keep on that. Mum's house, well, 
Mum's old house is currently lying empty and Mr White, who owns it, is looking at renting it out in due course. Don't really know how I feel about that. It's going to be strange having someone else sleeping in my old bedroom. I do hope they don't paint over my Avengers Age of Ultron wallpaper. Randall Parker's Film Fact During the filming of Zack Schneider's Justice League, whenever the script called for the characters to move in slow motion, which, by the way, was fucking loads, the actors had to move really, really slowly to save money on the special effects. Randall Parker's Film Fact Something that has annoyed me is that dozy bastard Francis has agreed to be formally adopted by Mr White and is in the process of changing his name from Barker to White. The other day I was around there catching a few bits and bobs, you know, and he came in and he says, you ready for this? Can I make you a cup of tea, Mummy Maureen? Mummy Maureen? Fuck off! Then Mum called him Mummy Maureen's little soldier. That did piss me off, because I'm a little soldier. Well, I thought I was. Anyway, it's his fucking birthday party on Friday. He's fucking 50 and they're throwing him a party tea. I was stuck in a fucking empty warehouse on my 50th birthday. Well, what I thought was my 50th. Mum and Mr White have asked if I wanted to go along. Not sure I can do it, you know. As much as I love a party tea, I think I've got to give it a wide berth. I can just see it now. The living room full of a bunch of his war ammo mates, right? And they're all wanking off over pictures of Commander Shadow Son. I think I might be busy on Friday night. Mr White does keep saying to me that he'd like me to get to know Francis as he's now my dad and I should treat Francis as a brother. Like fucker will. The black's fucking backwards. He stinks of eggs, even though he hasn't eaten eggs. Figure that one out. Mr White did offer to pay for us both to go to the cinema, do a bit of bonding, but I can't bear to be in the same fucking room as a gormless prick for five minutes, let alone sat next to him trying to explain what's going on in a film for an hour and a half. He can bollocks. I hate listening to his breathing. He breathes really heavily through his nose. It makes a right fucking racket he does. And he must be the most boring prick you're ever likely to meet. He just chats shit endlessly. The other day I saw him in Morrison's right at the fish counter telling the poor last serving all about he'd bought a pack of combat patrol orcs. And now he's painting them all to look like pop stars. He's painted one like Morrissey, one like Ed Sheeran, one like Adele, and others like assorted members of the Wu-Tang Clan. Poor girl, looked like she was ready to top herself. I made the mistake, right, of engaging him in conversation last Sunday, and he told me how he'd spent £67.59 on them. And then he began on about how in Warhammer 40k orcs are highly aggressive green-skinned members of the Xenos race and they are the dominant subspecies of the orcoids, which include smaller Gretchen and Snotlings. Then he said that in the purely theoretical event that all the orcoid species were to unite, they would undoubtedly crush all opposition. And then I told him I couldn't give a flying fuck. It was in the local paper the other day that some dirty pervert has been hanging round the primary school watching the kiddies from the bushes. So I gave Crime Stoppers a quick call and told them to keep an eye on Francis. Well, obviously, anonymously, right? Didn't give me name. Well, let's face it, we don't really know a lot about him, do we? Emails. So on to emails. Thank you all for the emails wishing me well when we all thought my days were numbered. Now, firstly... I would like to thank listener Glynis Tideswell from Broadhaven in Pembrokeshire who keeps sending me pictures via email. It is very nice of you to get in touch but don't send me any more as they are quite personal and I don't want to end up on some sort of register. 
but I will say this, it is one of the best examples I've ever seen. So, we have been inundated with email, so let's crack on. The first one says, Dear Randall, I love your podcast and have been listening to it since it first began. Initially, you used to have a spoiler alert jingle, but that seems to have fallen by the wayside. Is there any reason for this? Many thanks, Carl Cox. Well, thanks for writing in, Carl, and congratulations on being the first film club email of the year. No award for that, but you can brag to your pals down your local about that, can't you? So the spoiler alert jingle, right, I found out that it was getting to the point where I'd have to play it so often I was getting piss bored of hearing it, so I've knocked it on the head. Let's face it, this is a film review podcast and I am bound to dip into spoiler territory with my reviews. I'll put a list of the films that I'm reviewing on the podcast description, so if you don't want it spoiled you can just fast forward through the review. It's not rocket science, use your loaf. Use your loaf. Great saying that is, isn't it? Use your loaf. Fucking love it. Did you know it originates from the First World War, you see, right? When our soldiers were in the trenches and they wanted to check to see if there were any German snipers about, what they'd do? They'd stick a loaf of bread on their bayonets and stick it up above the trench to see if the snipers were there or not. And the snipers, if they were there, right, thinking it was someone's head, would shoot the loaf of bread. There you go, and that's why you call it using your loaf. Banging fact that, ain't it? Another common phrase from World War One is chatting. Right. That one comes about from when soldiers would sit about and they'd pick lice out of their clothes and they'd idly talk to each other about bugger all and the lice were known as chats. So sitting around talking bollocks whilst you're picking lice off your clothes became known as chatting. As you can tell I watched a load of shit on the telly when I was self-isolating, didn't I? hope that's answered your question, Carl, and thank you very much for getting in touch. I'll tell you what. It is fucking lovely to be able to sit back and relax, safe in the knowledge that 87-year-old internet troll Raymond Cress is six foot under and full of worms. The next email goes... Dear Andal, imagine this scenario. You are a secret agent, and you are dropped behind enemy lines on a secret mission to assassinate some right nasty bastard. Unfortunately, due to your inexperience and eagerness to complete the mission, you managed to totally fuck it up. You are then captured and tortured. They slowly remove your toenails and file down your teeth to expose the nerves. Then they start to prod about in them, causing you severe pain and mental anguish. Your superior officers worry that, due to your tendency to run off at the mouth, you will crack and tell them all of your secrets. So they decide to launch a mission to rescue you. They build a crack team of four movie action stars to bring you safely back home. And when once back on home soil, you will be subject to a highly intense debrief. Which four movie action stars would you choose for the mission? Many thanks, Bobby Charlton. That's a fucking great question, that is. Some thoughts gone into that one, Bobby. Now, first up would be Queen of Kung Fu, Cynthia Rothrock. That's nailed on, ain't it? Secondly, I'd have Chuck Norris, then Sylvester Stallone and Arnie to finish it off. What a crack team that would be. Mind you, that is presuming it would be them from their heyday. Because, let's face it, they're all knocking on now, and if it was them as they are now, it'd probably end up in a fucking bloodbath. But if it had to be current action stars, then I'd probably go with The Rock, Jason Statham, and then we'd have Scarlett Johansson. She could do that thing where she wraps her legs around people's necks and spins about a bit. And then I'd finally plumb for Chris Pratt. You know, one for the ladies. He'd be the one who cracks all the gags and then ultimately is the collateral damage that unites the team to succeed on their mission. 
no room in that team for fat, baldy Vin Diesel. Him and The Rock don't get along and it could jeopardise the whole mission. And I hope that's answered your question, Bobby. That's all for emails for now, but if you want to drop me a line, uh, the email address, as always, is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. Well, it's been fucking ages, hasn't it? Let's do a review. So, back to what we do best, film reviews. Later on we'll have a film requested by a listener, but first we're turning our attention to a relatively new film. (coughs) Made last year in 2021. Sounds odd that, don't it? 2021 being last year. But it's only just out over here, from France called Titan, and it's directed by Julia Duacorno. Duacorno? It's something like that anyway. Now, as I said, this one's only been out about a month, so I had to nip off down to the cinema to watch this one. Not the ABC in town, but the one at the university. You know, the Ponzi one where they show all that arty shite. To tell you the truth, though, I don't know how they managed to stay open. When I went to see this last weekend, there was just me there and the spotty little lad who sells the ice creams. And just for Carl, who sent me that email earlier on... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So this one begins with some annoying little shit of a kid called Alexia. And she's in the back of the car and she's kicking her dad's seat being a right bell end. Anyway, dad gets so pissed off he decides to run the car off the road and the kid smacks her head and ends up in hospital having an operation to put a metal plate in her head. Now back in the early 80s, right, tall Nancy, who is Big Ken's mum, had a metal plate put in her head and she used to be able to hear the radio chatter from the planes taking off at Birmingham Airport. Poor woman used to struggle to get to sleep at night with all that bollocks going on in her head. They finally had to pay for her to have a plastic one fitted when they got the go-ahead to extend the runway back in 1996. But I've gone off topic there, haven't I? Anyway, when the kid gets better, she comes out of hospital and walks straight past her mum and dad and gives the car a big kiss and a hug. Anyway, years later, we catch up with Alexia and she's got this big fuck-off scar on the side of her head where the metal plate is and she's got a job doing some right slutty dancing on cars in a bra and pants and she does a right tarty dance on top of this car with flames painted up it. Strange job I know, but I can imagine it earns great money. Anyway, after one of the shows, she's backstage with another dancer and she says to her, you've got nice knockers, and the other girl says, thank you very much. Anyway, Alexia's in the car park a bit later and some bloke comes up to her and says, I like the way you dance on cars, I'm going to do some sex on you, whether you like it or not, and proceeds to kiss her. So casually, she jabs him in the lug hole with a chopstick. Don't know where that came from, but she's fucking handy with it. Anyway, she goes back to the car dancing place and has a shower to wash off all the dead man's blood. Anyway, she has this knock on the dressing room door where she's getting changed. So she goes over to it with her tits and fanny out and it's the car with the flames up it. And so she climbs in and appears to have it off with the car. And she fucking loves it. Now, this sort of thing is more common than you think. Uh, There's a fella down the garages a few years ago who did this and had to call a fire engine to cut him free when he got it stuck. Anyway, it turns out Alexia is a serial killer and she's been going around topping people here, there and everywhere. And she lives at home with a mum and dad, but they don't like each other. After a while, it turns out she's up the duff from shagging the car. Yeah, you heard right. And she tries to get rid of it using the chopstick what she dug in that bloke's head earlier on. Can't be hygienic, that. 
Anyway, she nips off and murders a gaff full of naked people and decides now would be a fun time to burn a mum and dad's house with them inside it. Well, it's no surprise that she's now wanted for doing all them murders and she decides it'd be a cracking time to fuck right off. Anyway, when she's at the train station, there are posters of her all about the place saying this woman is a fucking nutter, call the coppers if you see her. So she comes up with a plan to pretend to be a lad who disappeared ten years ago. But so she can look like him, she straps down her tits, pregnant belly, cuts off all her hair and breaks her nose on the sink in the shitters. Yeah, fucking grim that was. So she goes to the police and pretends to be this lad. Adrian was his name, right, and his dad turns up, takes one look at Lexi and goes, yeah, that's near enough, and goes home with him. Anyway, turns out that Adrian's dad is a teacher for lads who want to be firemen and Adrian slash Alexia just hangs around with all those lads saying nothing to anyone and generally being a right moody twat. And all this time she's getting more and more pregnant and keeps strapping down the tits and gut. Dad, by the way, keeps injecting himself in the arse with this stuff and you begin to think, is there no one fucking normal in this film? Anyway, Dad calls the mother and she comes to town to visit Adrian slash Alexia and finds out that it's not a son, but a big fat pregnant woman with oil leaking from her tits and fanny. But she says, I'm not going to tell you one, just look after your dad. As time goes on, Alexia keeps getting fatter and fatter and one day she begins to give her gut a big itchy scratch and it splits open and she's got a metal belly and oil starts to leak from her fanny and busters so she nips along to fireman dad and says I'm called Alexia really I'm about to shit out a car slash baby hybrid would you give me a hand? He says yeah why not and he helps her crap the baby out and Alexia drops down dead because that's what you do when you poo out a car baby apparently and he's left holding the half metal human baby and the film sort of ends there. Now to describe this film as fucked up would be a slight understatement. I mean, I had no clue what the fuck was going on, or what the fuck it was supposed to mean. It just lost me at the car fucking bit, I can tell you. Now, initially, I thought that the main woman in this was very, very good. But then later I thought to myself, she said about three words in the whole film. So I had no way of knowing if she was good or shit. Not like she had to learn any lines or anything, is it? But it is strange. There's just something about this film that got me smiling. Even though it's packed full of people being murdered, a woman shagging a car, a man injecting his arse with drugs, and a woman with oily tits. Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with Transformers Rise of the Fallen, as there was a car-slash-person thing in that, and I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. That was called Titan. Watch that if you want to see a woman with a broken nose, dressed like a man doing a sexy dance for a load of firemen, then fuck a fire engine. Now I've got a bit of sad news to share with you. It's that Reggie from Reggie's Snack Caravan has passed away in the early hours of last Tuesday. Now round here, Reggie was a bit of a local celebrity during the 1970s and he was often seen bombing up and down the highways of Edgebury and Walsall in his blue transit van, usually followed by a string of police cars. And I'm pretty sure that Reggie still holds a record for the most number of post offices robbed in one day. Six, I think it was. Anyway, back in 1978, Reggie's luck ran out when he swerved to avoid a badger in the road and spent the best part of the next nine years behind bars. Coincidentally, his son, Mark Richards, followed him into the family business and is also serving time for armed robbery and aggravated burglary up at HMP Manchester. But whilst inside, Reggie managed to turn his life around and found a gift for cooking, so when he came out of Chokey, he decided he'd set up the highly successful Reggie's Snack Caravan. 
Reggie leaves behind a wife, two kids, Mark and Donna, and two grandchildren, Jackson and John Wick. And I'm sure he'll be missed by anyone who fancies a fried egg bap whilst bombing up the B4210, uh, just past Boozland, the off-licence. It was very sad to hear that news, yeah, proper sad. I actually remember when he came out in late 85, early 86, he used to set up his snack caravan right outside the school gate. One thing I never fully understood was why it was called Reggie's Snack Caravan, because he was an old ice cream van. Reggie had rigged up a camping stove in the back and used to fry all the sausages and bacon up on it. You never smelt anything like it in your life. I could guarantee, right, you'd come from the all-you-could-eat carvery at the Lamb and Flag, fit to busting. You'd smell his van and you'd want something. Tell you what, his burgers were fucking amazing. Don't know what he did, but I'd never tasted anything like them before. I asked Donna about this the other day, and she said he used to get them off a contact of his in France. All the school kids used to go there, right, and he'd ride pissed off the school as no one was having school dinners anymore. We'd all queue up, and he'd serve someone, and then he'd go, Next victim, please. And everything was a quid because he was shit at maths. Bacon bap a quid. Sausage bap a quid. Burger quid. It was a great system. The best thing, though, was whenever someone asked for a sausage and cheese bap, he'd say, Get on your knees for sausage and cheese. Oh, it was a right laugh. Mind you, it didn't last long at the school gates. The headmaster called the council, who tried to shut him down, stating that his food hygiene wasn't up to scratch. He soon got his permit when they hung the bloke from the council off the flyover bridge by his ankles. Yeah, sad times. Funerals next Thursday. And Donna's asked to borrow 40 quid for the wreath. Films that what I would like to see. So on to the section of the podcast where I'll pitch an idea for a film that I would like to see. This week is a psychological thriller called The Cuckoo. Right, so this one starts with our hero, a genuinely nice, good-looking fella, and he's working away from home, and he comes back about a week or so later, and the local village idiots turned up and moved into his mum and dad's house and pretty much stolen his life. Now, everyone prefers the idiot to the nice bloke, so the nice bloke investigates and finds out that the village idiot is actually some sort of perv, and gets him put in prison, and the nice bloke becomes the hero. Probably want to cast someone like Brad Pitt as the nice bloke and Toby Jones as a village idiot. Any film companies out there who fancy throwing in some seed funding so we can develop this a bit more can contact me via email at randallpark at 1971.gmail.com Alternatively though, if there's a film idea you would like to share with us then you can contact me at the same address. Great stuff! Films that what I would like to see now on a film related subject, Kung Fu Dan from down at the ABC Cinema has been in a bit of trouble recently, but you may already know this if you read the Express and Star a couple of weeks ago. But for those of you who missed out, uh, our Dan has been in a bit of war with the local Asda ever since he was banned from there just before Christmas for taking an unhealthy interest in the lingerie section of the George Department. Now basically they told Dan to fuck off and don't come back and now Dan's tried to turn the tables on Asda by asking everyone who turns up at the cinema for proof of employment and if you couldn't provide proof or work for Asda he'd refuse your entry. Now the owner of the ABC cinema noticed takings were down and told Dan to stop fucking about like a big fanny and get back behind the food counter. Anyway, Dan then decided to do a bit of a protest outside the Asda and this managed to get a bit of traction in the press and next week he's going to be appearing on This Morning. But not with Phil and Holly, the other two. 
I'll just mention this as well. I was doing a bit of shopping last Wednesday, market day, and the local church had a table on the R Street selling raffle tickets. Now it's for the Fix the Roof Appeal, and it's being run in conjunction with Party Janet's 24-hour party services. Apparently Party Janet, back when she was Dirty Janet, used to work with Sharon the Vicar, and they thought it'd be nice to team up again, just like the good old days. Now the prize that Party Janet is putting up is for an Easter weekend break in Amsterdam, four nights, flights, transfers and accommodation in the Zwiedoist region of the city. Sounds exotic, don't it? Not really my bag, but I did buy a book of five tickets for the tenor, and it all goes to a good cause, doesn't it? Also, it is quite hard to refuse to buy a book when Sharon the Vicar's got you in headlock and you're struggling to breathe. Randall's Requests so on to our second review this week and it's one requested by a listener Wayne Kerr and it's one directed by a bloke called Sean Levy from 2002 and he's called Big Fat Liar. Now the main lad in this is called Jason Shepherd, and he's a right funny fucker and he's always lying and getting into trouble for it. One day at school he gets into trouble for being an idle twat and he tries to get out of it by making up a story about how his dad nearly dropped down dead only to find out that the teacher wasn't right thick and wouldn't fall for that mess of bollocks. Anyway, for some reason, if he can't write a story and hand it in the next day, he'll have to go to school over the summer for being a right dense fucker. He writes the story of his life, and he's fucking proud of it. And whilst he's on his way to school, he gets run over by this big posh car, and the rude fucker who is sat in the back gives him a lift. And it turns out that the rude fucker is a big hotshot Hollywood film producer. Anyway, when he gets to school, he finds that he must have lost the story in the big posh car. The teacher doesn't believe him, and his dad says, You're a right prick, son. I wish you'd never been born. Well, he don't outright say that, but you could see it in his eyes. Now, the little prick has to go to summer school, and one night after school, he goes out with his mate, who happens to be some girl, and they go to the cinema, and they're watching trailers, and there's this trailer for this film called Big Fat Liar, which just so happens to be the story what he dropped in the film producer's car. Pissed off by this, he decides that it would be a great idea to get the film producer to tell his dad that he wrote the film and prove that this once he wasn't a lying bastard. So his mum and dad are conveniently going on holiday and they're leaving him at home, so he decides that he's going to travel halfway across America, confront the producer and get him to phone up his dad. So he sets off taking his girl mate whose parents have also left her alone and fucked off on holiday. Does this happen a lot in America? Let's go on holiday, fuck the kids, leave them at home. I'm sure they'll be fine and dandy. Anyway, once in Hollywood, right, they track down the producer and Jason goes to see him and asks him, could you call me dad up? And the producer says, fuck right off. So the two kids decide to wreak havoc on the producer using tactics taken straight out of his shit Home Alone sequel, but with any humour taken out. They find out where he lives and put some dye in his swimming pool and he turns blue, then glue his phone into his ear, they fuck up his car and cause him to have a crash and he's not happy. Now the producer's boss don't like him right and he says the film has to start shooting tomorrow and if you fuck up you're getting the fucking sack. So the kids and a bunch of other people await the producer gang up and fuck him over. Right for some reason right the kids mum and dad turn up and there's this big showdown on top of this building and the producer shouts to the kid of course I nicked your fucking story and I'm not going to tell anyone you're a little prick. But what the Hollywood producer didn't know is that the whole of fucking Hollywood sees this happen and it all comes out in the wash and the kid's dad says you're not a prick anymore and everyone's happy well not everyone but he catch me drift now this did actually happen to Glassard Duncan the landlord of the dog and partridge who claims to have come up with the idea for arm wrestling classic over the top 
He says Sylvester Stallone stole the idea from him when he was behind him in the fag counter of the local quicksave. He did threaten to sue the film company, but claims Stallone threw a brick through the window of the main bar and he was too scared to take it any further. Ratings-wise, I'm going to put this on a par with something like, I don't know, gargling red-hot piss. That was Big Fat Liar. Watch that if you want to see the reason why you don't hear from Malcolm in the Middle anymore. Randall's Requests now, I did ask Big Ken if he'd knock me up a jingle at the start of the show, wishing you all a happy new year. But when I turned up at his house with a big Mintero, he told me to take it and shove it where a monkey shoves its nuts. I think he meant up me arsehole. Apparently he's in a bit of a sulk because I won't let him sing another song. You know, like I did at Christmas. I told him there's no way I'm having any more of that nonsense on here, even though we had a few emails complimenting him on his singing, which has left me in a bit of a pickle. I wanted to do a new section of the podcast in a few weeks, but he won't make me a jingle, so that's fucked that idea, and it was a fucking corker. Randall recommends. So on to Randall's recommends this week. I've got a couple of questions for you. Do you like football films? Do you like zombie films? Well, how about this then? Goal of the Dead. There's no real plot to speak of, but it's zombies at a football match. What's not to like? It's a fucking treat. Get it watched. Randall recommends. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's really good to get back into the flow of things. Nice to know that the old magic is still there. Seems ages since we last did one of these, isn't it? And I'm so glad you could join me. If you wish to drop me an email, or request a film for me to review, or just say hello, then why not get in touch with me here at Film Club? The email address, as always, is randallparker1971 at gmail.com. I really would love to hear from you. Ta-ra for a bit.